to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hfe.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. For everything you provide but we thank you for this church god thank you for every member that's here right now father and i pray that you will just just have everybody put the cares of the day aside lord and just be here with an open mind and open heart father and i just pray that you give me the words to speak just to touch lives lord and just to change lives uh, in a positive fashion father just giving you all praise giving you all glory and everybody said amen okay so it's great to see you all here now for those more observant of you, I'm not Pastor Philip. Um, he's actually on uh, vacation right now. He's enjoying himself uh, on the Panama Beach in Florida. Um, he sends his love and says hi to everybody. He's having a great time and a very thoroughly deserved break. I'm sure we'll all agree. Uh, he's going to be back here for the weekend. It was a very last-minute affair, him deciding to go. Um, it was kind of a secret location where they're at. It was actually secret to them until about 2 o'clock on Monday afternoon. Um, and they, so they just basically left. But they've got themselves some great accommodation. They're having a wonderful time there. So they say hi. Uh, as does my wife, Molly. She said uh, to be sure to send her love to you all. Uh, she's at home right now looking after our cute bundle uh, of sleep deprivation. Um, and uh, both mother and baby are doing very well indeed right now, and uh, we're looking forward very much to bringing him to church in the, the near future. I spoke to her about when that might be, uh, and I can tell you that the near future is sometime before his third birthday. Okay, that's when it's, she's actually going to be letting him out of the house. So we'll see uh, when that goes on, but thanks for all your prayers relating to that. Okay, so we've had an amazing series this month uh, on expectancy. And we've been blessed with some incredibly powerful messages, I'm sure you'll all agree. And I know that many people in our church have taken away some life-changing points from this past few weeks. The series started uh, with Pastor talking to us about our expectancy, and that our level of expectancy can either release our lives or limit our future. He told us that we need to mind the gap, the gap that occurs sometimes between the expectancy that we have and the experience that we actually go through, and that that gap is filled with frustration. So the bigger the difference is between what we expected of someone or something and our actual experience, then the bigger our frustration can be. In Pastor's second Sunday message, we were then told that in order to prevent our expectancy from being different from our experience, and to ensure that we are walking in God's will, we have to have the right starting place. The fact that God knows what is best for us And that if we don't have the right start in place with God, we can't expect to have a life full of God's blessings. Kayla then delivered a very powerful message for us about remaining at the feet of Jesus. And that we shouldn't be concerned about falling short of other people's expectations. That we should remain strong in living uh, our lives the way that we believe God wants us to. And she gave us three really good key points. Point one, that we're all unique 
Point two, that not everybody will understand you. And three, everybody does not know your story. Pastor's next message, that was titled, Bad God. And he spoke another powerful message about how we can oftentimes get mad with God and think that he's fallen short of our expectations by not delivering exactly what we want for our lives in the way and the time frame that we want it. We learned that oftentimes God will not meet our expectations because he wants to exceed our expectations. It was a great message. And then this past Sunday, we heard about David and the fact that he slayed Goliath with one single stone and that he had four stones in his pouch after using that one stone in his sling, that he was not only prepared for that battle, but he was also prepared for more battles that would follow. We're reminded that we will face challenges in our lives, and after each challenge, we'll no doubt face more, that we need to be prepared by having a deep relationship with God as a firm foundation on which to build our lives. So over the course of this month, we've spoken about our expectation of other people, We've looked at other people's expectations of us, and we've covered how to deal with the challenges that we can expect in life. We've learned about the expectations that we have of God. Now, as a final footnote and a period to the expectancy series, I want to talk about what God expects from us. Now, this is a massive subject, and what I'll speak about tonight is by no means going to be an extensive list of the things that God expects from us. I'm not going to go through a long list of the should-dos and shouldn't-dos that are often associated with Christianity. Every commandment and instruction in the Word of God is obviously vitally important. And I absolutely do not want to give the impression that I think some commandments are more important or relevant in our lives than others. But just for the purposes of time, I'm going to look at and expand on just a few of the things that God expects and desires from us. Okay? Okay. I also want to say... I think sometimes that we're guilty of thinking of God in a very human fashion. What I mean is, not that we think of God as a human being, because he's obviously not, but that we link many of our human emotions and weaknesses to our God. Emotions and weaknesses that our God simply does not have. The Bible speaks of the emotions and desires that God has. Love is obviously one of them, and anger is another. But it's important to remember that God feels anger that is a righteous anger, not anger that is selfish or misplaced or that comes from human emotions. So as I was preparing this message, I really tried to keep in mind that whilst God expects certain things from us, he expects them in the way that God expects things from his children, not in the way that people expect things from other people. So I'm going to be touching on five different things that God expects from each and every one of us as his children. Firstly, God expects us to love. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and great commandment. That's Matthew 22, 37, 38. Deuteronomy 11, 13 through 15 then says, if you carefully obey all the commands I am giving you today, and if you love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and soul, then he will send you the rains in their proper seasons, the early and late rains, so you can bring in your harvests of grain, new wine, and olive oil. And I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. So we're commanded to love God, but we're also promised rewards and blessings that will come through loving him. Throughout the whole Bible, 
Old Testament and New, were advised, instructed, and commanded to love. To love God and to love others. God expects us to love. Again, he doesn't expect us to love in the way that many people expect other people to love. In a, I'll love you, therefore you should love me kind of way. God expects us to love because God is love. And God created us in his image. We were created to love. To love him and to worship him. And part of loving him is to love other people. We're told in 1 John 4 verse 8 very clearly. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Now it's easy sometimes to throw around the word love as though it's the simplest thing in the world to do. For some people, loving is not easy. For some people, accepting love is not easy. There are many people who have been hurt and wounded by people that they loved or trusted, or by people that took advantage of a situation or their position. There are people who have had trust abused, and who have withdrawn from relationships and feel that they can never trust or love again. There are people that have their guard up continually because of past hurts. And they will deliberately sabotage a relationship if they feel that someone is getting too close to them. There are people who have come out of a long-term relationship that feel they will never love or be loved again. And those that, never, that have never been in a loving relationship and believe that they will never be. The reality is this. People can let you down in love. People can fall short of your expectations in love. And it's natural that as people, we're sometimes nervous to give our love to other people unconditionally. God, though, will never let you down. God's love is unconditional, unending, undeserved, and undeniable. God loves you with more passion than a parent loves a child. He loves you completely, absolutely, and utterly. God loves you. Nothing you ever do in your lifetime will make God love you more than he does right now or less than he does right now. And he wants you, desires you, and expects you to love him back. Now, if you are one of those people that I mentioned that struggles to love or be loved, let me give you an absolute guarantee. If you commit your life to God, if you get close to God, if you fall in love with God, Not only will God never let you down or forsake you, but every relationship you have with every person around you will change for the better. Loving God and others brings us closer to him. It pleases him and it blesses us. The second thing that God expects from us is respect. He expects respect. Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. God is completely worthy of our honor and our respect. And it's not just because of the fact that he is God, and he created the universe and everything in it. Though that should really be reason enough, right? But also because of the things that he has done in our lives and in the lives of those people around us. My prayer is that I never stop being in a state of gratitude for what it is that he's done in my life. Most people know my testimony here, and whenever I think about the difference in my life today to what it was before God saved me, it's literally impossible for me to not be grateful to him. And it's my belief that every single one of us should feel the very same way. Here's a deal in a nutshell. Whatever it is that you're going through right now, and whatever challenges you're facing, 
Whatever it is that you feel God is not meeting your expectations with, God has done more for you than any person has ever done for you. He loves you unconditionally and has forgiven you of your sins. And if that's not enough, he has granted you eternal life in heaven when your time on this earth is done. John 4.14 tells us, Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. Now, I'm not dismissing the fact that life can be very challenging and difficult sometimes, but how we react in those times is very often a result of our perspective on things and not the things themselves. It's entirely too easy and too common to forget the amazing things that God has done for us and to not only take him for granted, but even to get to the point of being angry with him because of something that we perceive he hasn't done for us. We've been speaking all month about expectancy and the fact that we should expect God to move in our lives in a big way, and that's very true. But there's something that we should try and remember. Expectancy does not equal entitlement. God will not always give us exactly what we want, when we want it, and in the way that we want it. And that should not make us angry with God. If we're looking at what we think God is not doing for us, we're not seeing all of the things that he, had, he already has done for us. And this sense of entitlement is sometimes part of our human nature. And it doesn't show itself in our relationship with God, but sometimes in our relationship with other people. For example, and for the record, I did get his permission before I talk about this. Our boy Scotty, 17-year-old, need I say more, 17 years old. And uh, he has uh, a desire recently for something which cost $100. And uh, he doesn't have the $100. He didn't have the $100 because he's only started work a week ago. He didn't come to me and ask him to buy this thing that cost $100 because he had a fairly safe bet that if he asked me, I was likely to say no. So what he did was he called Granny. And he he asked Granny if Granny would buy him this thing for $100. And Granny, thank God, said that she would think about it and she would pray about it. And um, long story short, I got wind of this. I found out about this, that he'd actually called Granny and asked her to buy him this $100 thing. So I said... Scotty said, yeah, I said, Granny's not going to be buying you that $100 thing that you want her to buy for you. And I need you to stop calling her and asking her to buy you stuff. And his response to me was, why? It's my granny. That was his response. And I said, well, yes, it is your granny, but when's the last time that you called Granny to tell her that you loved her? When's the last time you called Granny to ask her if she was doing okay? When's the last time you called Granny to see if you could cut her grass or serve her in some other way. And he sat there and he said, that's a good point. And that is really, as I said, what we can be guilty of as well in our relationship with God. We can ask and we can expect from him and we can, if we're not careful, take him for granted. And we cannot treat him with the respect that he deserves. Now occasionally when I hear some people speak about God, they sound like they're talking about their peer. They're equal, someone that they are on the same level as, someone who owes them something or should answer to their every beck and call. And if I can be honest, I'm so thankful that God doesn't actually have our weaknesses and our human emotions. Because if he did, I think he might be spending his entire day listening to people talk about him and saying, really? Really? The reality is this. The more that we come to know God, the more we understand just how unworthy we are, and the more we grasp how worthy he is. 
The closer I get to him, the more unworthy I realize I am. Thankfully, the gap between his worthiness and my unworthiness is bridged by his grace and his mercy. God is entirely worthy of our respect and worthy of all praise and glory. And I believe that even if God never did another thing for any of us, we should all remember that he has already done infinitely more than we deserve. Now, some of this may sound a little harsh, and the last thing I want to do is offend anybody. But I think it's important that we all help each other to keep the right perspective on things. Amen? So the next thing I believe God expects from us is trust. I believe that God expects us to trust. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God wants us to trust him completely. To not just think that he is there for us, and not even to believe that he is there for us, but to know that he is there for us. We will all lead a different life from anyone else, with our own set of challenges and blessings. Our lives are unique, and so is the way that God will work in our lives. The important thing is that we recognize that even though God does something in someone else's life one way, he will then deal with the same thing in a different way in our lives. This doesn't make us better or worse than any other person. It doesn't make us any more or less favored by him. It simply means that God knows what is best for one person and what is best for another. God, in fact, knows what is best for each and every one of us. And what is best for me is not necessarily best for you. God has a plan for you and a plan for me, and they are not the same. If we could all embrace the fact that God loves us all the same, but will deal with us all differently, then I believe that we'd have a less stress, a less stressful, and we would have less worry in our lives. Now, many people say that God will not let anything happen in your life that you can't cope with. God will not let anything happen in your life that you can't cope with. Personally, I don't agree with that. I believe that God will not let anything happen in your life that you can't cope with, with God's help. God doesn't allow challenges in our lives so that, he, so that we can prove our own strength. It's so that we can rely on his. God doesn't allow challenges in our lives so that we can prove our own strength. It's so that we can rely on his. God will help us with the Holy Spirit to overcome challenges. He will break bondages. And sometimes he will miraculously heal us of our sicknesses or our addictions. But not always. If he knows that it will benefit us in the long run, he will make us wait and work towards what it is that we desire. As our Father, he wants the best for us. The same as we want the best for our children. The difference is that he's not tempted to make it easy for us and do everything for us the way that we sometimes can do for our kids. If we do everything for our children as they're growing up, the result can be an adult who is unprepared, unequipped, and not strong enough to deal with the challenges they will face in adult life. God wants the very best for us, but the best for us is sometimes to work through our challenges and come out the other side. And during those times, we can often feel like God is not there with us, that he's forsaken us, that he is leaving us entirely alone to deal with a storm on our own. And that's not the case. It's kind of like when we're helping our kids to learn to ride a bicycle. They start off on their bikes with the training wheels, 
and they ride along on their own for a while. And then when they progress to having their training wheels taken off, we'll stand next to them and we'll hold them as they start to ride. Then when they gain momentum, we'll let them go and we'll jog along behind them. Now they're working hard to stay balanced and to move forward. And because they're looking ahead, they can't see us behind them watching over them. But just because they can't see us doesn't mean that we're not there. When they get fearful and they glance over their shoulder, they'll know that we are there. And if they fall, we're there available to pick them up and encourage them and help them start again. Now we need to trust God completely. And when we do that, we are much less likely to ever be disappointed or frustrated and feel like God is not with us. The reason for that is this. If we trust him enough, we will always be seeking him and seeking his will for our lives. We will be in constant prayer about the direction we need to take and the decisions that we need to make. And those decisions will then, more often than not, be in line with what God wants for our lives. Next time you feel that God isn't with you, ask yourself, is it because I went in a different direction to him? Is he standing on a different path waiting for me to catch him up? We've established that when our expectancy is different to our experience, the gap in between is filled with frustration, right? Then it makes sense that if we're praying continually for God's will and not our own to be done in our lives, if we are expecting that God's will is going to happen, however different that is to our own hopes and plans, then we will never become frustrated. We will always be living in our expectations because all we expect is God's will to be done. In reality, all of us fall short in trusting God completely. We're often frustrated when things are not going the way we want them to. But oftentimes, when we look back after the event, we can see God's work in what happened. Now, two weeks ago, Molly and I had baby Elijah on the Monday. And before we went into hospital to have him, we were expecting to have a smooth delivery, a perfectly healthy baby boy, that we would have a relaxing time in recovery, enjoying our baby for a couple of days, and that we'd be leaving hospital to come home on Wednesday at noon. That was our expectation. Our experience was different. The delivery went smoothly-ish, and whilst Elijah was basically fit and healthy, he was jaundiced, which meant that we had to put him under a UV blue lamp. We had to keep him there for every minute that he wasn't feeding, which meant we couldn't hold him, and we had to have his blood taken and tested every six hours. Now, during this time... Expectations, experience, Molly was incredibly frustrated, disappointed, and angry. She was grumpy, she was short with everyone, and again, I have permission, so don't go telling the tales behind my back. She was grumpy and short with everyone, and frankly, I'm pleased that um, we didn't accept visitors after Tuesday, because if we had it done, there'd be a lot of apologies flying around the church right now, I can assure you. We finally got to leave on the Friday at 9 o'clock. However, the point is this. On the Thursday of that week, when according to our expectations we should have been home already, Molly was visited by a nurse for a checkup, who got into conversation with Molly and spent an hour and a half with Molly opening up and sharing some very personal challenges that she was going through. Molly had the opportunity to pour into her for 90 minutes, encourage her and to talk about God with her at length. And the moment the nurse left we knew that that meeting had been completely by divine appointment. God's reasons for doing what 
he does are very rarely apparent at the time that things are happening. And oftentimes, we will never know the whys of a situation. But sometimes, times like that, we can look at something that happened with hindsight and go, ah, okay, Lord, I see what you did there. And that's obviously what we're looking for. So another thing that God expects from us, obedience. Now, God promises to give us blessings in our lives when we lead an obedient and a godly life. And these blessings are very real and tangible. The result of being disobedient is a lack of blessings. But this alone is not the reason that we should be obedient. God wants our obedience not for his sake, but for ours. He doesn't want us to go through the motions of obedience. He doesn't want us to do the right things and act in the right ways because we have to, but because we desire to. He doesn't just want us to do what our minds think is the right thing to do. He wants us to do what our hearts know is right. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis looks at the mistake we can make of trying to do the right thing as just a choice of action rather than a choice from our character and says that if we look at it that way, and I quote, we might think that God wanted obedience to a set of rules, whereas he really wants people of a particular sort, end quote. Obedience is about the motives of the heart and it's not a mindset. Obedient to an instruction means that we obey without questioning it. Now, some of the areas of our lives that God expects our obedience in are giving of our resources and our time. We need to be obedient in our tithes and offerings and in serving others, whether that be inside or outside of church or both. We need to be obedient in our loving. We are to love one another, period. Whether we consider someone to be lovable or otherwise, there is no distinction in the commandment that we are given. Remember Matthew 22, 37, 38 tells us, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. Well, the next verse says, A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. So loving our neighbor is as important to God as us loving him. It's also important that we are in leading a godly life. God calls us to lead lives that are different to those of someone that is not saved. Somebody should be able to spot the difference. He calls us to lead lives different to the lives that we led before we were saved. Salvation is turning toward Christ, and in doing so, we turn our backs on sin. Now, there's a fine line between being conscious of when we sin and living in a life of condemnation for the bad choices we've made in the past and may well still be making now. Many people do not give their lives completely to the Lord because they feel unworthy to do so. They feel that they are too sinful and ungodly to be loved by God. Our God is a gracious God. He is a forgiving God and he is a God of mercy. Now we are to be aware of the choices we are making and to make choices that are pleasing to God for our own benefit and protection. But when we make choices that we shouldn't, which we all do, God does not hold us in condemnation willing to forgive as long as we ask him for forgiveness for that sin and that we repent. The burden of guilt, the bondage of guilt, is without doubt one of the biggest weapons that the enemy uses against us. There's nothing that will slow you down or stop you more than feeling guilty for the kind of person that you are or the sins that you've committed or things that you feel that you've done against God. Nothing will slow you down more. The other thing 
We need to be another thing that we need to be obedient in, being a light in the darkness. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 tells us, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise the Heavenly Father. We are to be a shining light in the world. We're to be set apart and stand out as a Christian, not acting better than anyone else, but displaying him who is better than everyone else. We're not to be acting better than anyone else, but displaying him who is better than everyone else. Wherever we go, we should be making a positive impact on those people we come into contact with. We should be encouraging and we should be uplifting. Okay, so the last thing I want to cover that God expects from us is for us to live our calling. We're created by God for purpose. And each of us have a unique calling on our lives. We are all to display Christ by doing things like giving and loving other people and being obedient to his commandments. But over and above that, each of us has a calling that we are to fulfill. I can tell each of you that God has a purpose for your life. I just can't tell you what that purpose is. I don't believe that people fall into their calling by chance. I believe that God will direct us and guide us into that calling. I think that sometimes we can find ourselves living our calling and then look back and again have an, oh, I see what you did there moment. But I don't think that all of us necessarily see it coming. One of the most commonly asked questions from Christians is, how do I know what my calling is? And I don't believe that there is a straightforward answer to that question. The first thing that we should do is pray about it and pray that God direct us in the path that he wants us to go and to put the right people around us to help us live out his will. For most of us, we won't necessarily have God speak to us in a loud and a clear fashion or in a dream like Pastor Phil experienced. And that doesn't mean that Pastor Phil is better than anyone or that your purpose is any less important than his. But it just shows that God speaks to different people in different ways. And this is the case throughout the whole of the Bible. Know that God will mostly guide us in whispers, not by shouting. Often God simply lets us know what we are supposed to be doing by giving us a peace about a decision that we make. He tells us that something is right by not telling us that it was wrong. God's approval and direction is more often in the form of peace and quiet than in fanfare and fireworks. One point piece of advice would be this, and this applies whether you know you're calling or not, whether you're living your calling or not. Don't let your feelings about how God is working in someone else's life prevent God from working in yours. When we're focused on someone else living out their calling, we're not focused on fulfilling our own. Too often we can look at other people and feel that they are fulfilling our purpose, that they are doing what we feel called to do. And that the opportunity has gone. That's a lie from the enemy. And again, that will slow you down, if not stop you completely. Again, we never really know what God has planned until after it's happened. Take pleasure and joy in seeing other people living their calling. Those people may be involved in your calling, and neither of you know it yet. So after looking at every form of expectancy that may exist in our lives, we've just covered some of what God expects from us. He expects our love, our respect, our trust, our obedience, 
and he expects us to live out our calling. Now, none of us are perfect, and our nature is such that we are going to be on a continual journey toward fulfilling all of God's expectations for our life and in our lifestyle. We're going to fall short on a regular basis, each and every one of us. And because God has gifted us with free will, we will often make the wrong choices and we will allow sin into our lives. But knowing that should never be our excuse for not trying to live in a godly fashion. The fact that God forgives us is not a license to live out our lives and do everything that we want we want without fear of consequence. So to close on the topic of expectancy, we should not expect to be able to live in God's will and to live a life of obedience in every area based on our own strength. We can only live the life that God expects us to by the power of the Holy Spirit within us. So let's close the series by finishing where we started. Ephesians 3, 20, 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ, Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Everyone, please stand. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.